Welcome to Linked Up, Breaking Boundaries in Education, a podcast that focuses on what is happening in education today, connecting everyone to the movers and shakers that are breaking boundaries in the education arena. Hello, this is Jamie and Jerry from Linked Up, Breaking Boundaries in Education. Jerry, um, last weekend I was talking to my niece and she's a first grade teacher and she said that she's having, she loves her little kiddos but they are struggling and she is struggling and like she never has before. Now, first grade is always challenging, right? Because you have so many different um, levels of students. Some are still learning their letters. Some are reading astronomically well, um, but it seems to be amplified for her this year a lot. Some can't hold a pencil. So they kind of missed that, right? Yes. And I I was having this conversation with my daughter last night, who is a school counselor, and she said the staff is fatigued. They are so tired and little things that would have not set people off in the past are setting people off. And she said, it's really, really hard. So today we are going to talk with Tom Ryan. He's an education consultant, but he's been in the education industry for many years. I was in a session of COSIN with Tom and he started talking and I was captivated by the things he was saying about the topic of we're all back in school. We're, we, we're kind of where we all want to be, but this is the toughest year yet. And as you think about it, how many things are playing into this. So we are excited to have Tom here to talk about this phenomenon. Um, It seems like we've gotten to where we want to be, but it's harder than ever. So Tom, first of all, tell us a little bit about your past, your, your education responsibilities you've had and what you're doing now, and then we'll get into this topic. Okay. Well, real quickly, I just uh, last July retired from the Santa Fe Public Schools is their chief information and strategy officer. Uh, before that, I was with the uh, Santa or the Albuquerque Public Schools, which has about 90,000 kids for 31 years. Uh, a principal then got into instructional technology, then became the, the CIO uh, for that school district. And interesting thing, my wife, who's a teacher, told me after I took the IT position that I was using words and language that... <laughs> He wasn't connecting with as an educator. So I went back uh, and got a PhD in curriculum instruction so I could make sure I had the bridge and I didn't lose my perspective of what was happening in, in our classrooms. I'm also on the Coast National Board and thing with uh, a lot of things with the Council of Great City Schools and their IT. Uh, and as a consultant, I I work, I review school districts and help them put together a strategic leadership plan, leveraging the technology to improve instruction, operations, finance, uh, look at security and things of that nature. Absolutely. And in the conversation we were having with COSIN, you were saying that you do have contact with a lot of administrators and you were hearing from them that this is the toughest year yet. Can you tell us what do you think is playing into this? What's causing this to happen? Well, uh, yeah, it is a tough year and we need to recognize it's a tough year because it's not over. (laughs) And as as Jamie Jamie said with her 
her uh, example from a first, my, my two daughters, I've got a third grade and a fifth grade teacher and just touching base with them. Uh, what, what are the challenges, et cetera. And then, then with all the other uh, IT organizations and uh, leadership, it's one person described it as a, we're running a marathon at a sprint pace and we're not done yet. And so there's, it, it, there doesn't seem to be an end to this sprint for the marathon that we're doing. And I think that uh, the, the, results of COVID, the quick changes that have to happen, the decisions that have to be made by our political leader, and, and then changing those, those decisions, the impact of the political process getting involved. So now we've got people that don't even have kids in school coming to school board meetings, and it has just put school districts into this uh, command and control, where the cabinet is now focusing on all of these individual fires that are popping up and and cabinet's role in a school district isn't to deal with today. It's really to set the direction for the vision and move to where we're going tomorrow. And then your C-level staff, they're dealing with the fires that are, are tech that come up and push solutions up to the, to the leaders. And we've gotten into this command and control where cabinet is involved in all, you know, distributing laptops to kids or how much FaceTime and, and they may not have those, those skills. So, but they got to have a decision because we're problem solvers and decision makers. So we make those decisions and, and we're stuck in this command and control and people don't feel like they have a voice. We saw that uh, there's been a significant amount of turnover uh, uh, we're working with a, a group of CIOs. We had 30% of the CIOs in the last 12 months have left and there's new leadership, which confuses and, and takes away some bench strength that we've had. We're seeing the same exact thing with teachers. There's a tremendous amount of turnover in teachers and there's not enough people coming up into the profession to fill a lot of those positions, even Bus drivers, a big crisis is having enough bus drivers to get kids to school. And so here you have the senior level administration trying to figure out and solve these big tactical problems, but they're not necessarily having the bandwidth, the time to address strategically um, the, the how do we get out of the problems instead of uh, keep addressing each individual problem. I think this leads to teachers not feeling heard that everybody's pushing change on them without knowing what the impact of that change is or hearing their voice on how to make it better. I think we're seeing, and I've, I've heard this first from my daughters, but then when I've asked my national friends, I get the same feedback that students, students don't know how to go back to how to be in school. They had to be retaught how to work in community. And of course, if you look at some of the national news on how board meetings and, and parents are uh, performing poorly, the role model or working in community isn't there. So, so they have to be told or instructed, shown how to participate, how to be back in the big groups, um, how to listen to other people and how to address their, their uh, challenges that may, conflict that may come up. Um, and they're not doing that well. So discipline has gone out of the roof with, with uh, people doing inappropriate things in school. Um, so that that's created this negative environment. And, and I hear a lot of leadership teams talking about it, even on their, in their teams, it, it, there's this negative toxic toxicity that has 
the meeting starts turning about how bad things are and is there any hope for the future? And so we lose sight and worry about things we can't control, but are influencing us as opposed to what are those things that I can do today that are going to make a difference for tomorrow. So lots of change happening real quick and lots of different symptoms of that change that our school districts are feeling. Right. And I don't think like everyone understands that, that there is all of this going on in the school building itself. And we've all heard COVID was a time for us to really make some changes and move ahead. But what I'm hearing you say is cabinets don't have the time to even think about the future because they're so in the weeds right now, trying to get through today and next week that they can't think about what is this future going to look like for kids and education overall. It almost sounds like this marathon is more so on a track. (laughs) We're going in circles because we're trying to put out these fires and continue to, and I hear this, my husband's a superintendent and what you're saying, Tom, I'm hearing from him um, every night. Uh, There's always a new fire to put out. There's always some new um, situation that has to be dealt with. He also, I think, is fearful sometimes that the teachers are not feeling um, seen, heard, and valued at times because sometimes decisions have to be made on the fly. Um, it's, it's a real struggle. And to your point, when we are constantly going in these circles, trying to put out these fires, um, the stuff that normally is being dealt with and pushing us forward in education has halted. And so, um, and you also mentioned the teachers and the students and how they have sort of um, lost those skills in collaboration. Um, Plus, we're not able to use them. Some, I was just talking with teachers yesterday, and they're still not able to get back to students working in teams. They still have their students in rows because they're wearing masks. They're still in rows. So how best to... um, include collaboration that we need to do um, is being navigated. Um, They're trying to figure out creative ways to keep that collaboration going because they are, as you said, students have forgotten. Um, There's there's this um, setback a bit in learning properly how to communicate with each other and collaborate. Um, so it just seems to be on so many different levels and so many different ends of the spectrum. And this is why I think the leadership needs to go back to that. How do we pull ourselves out? And of course, you got uh, uh, mayors and community members and board members that are after you to get things done. You've, and you're the one that res- you're superintendent. You've got to be responsible for it. And you've created an environment. We threw teachers into an environment and tried to make that fit the old model of education. So we're going to do it remote, but we're still going to have periods or we're not going to look at what are the resources that a teacher needs when they're at home, multiple monitors and uh, other technology. And then the technology is being on back order because everybody needs it all at the same time. Uh, So the teachers were thrown into this remote environment that we should have taken years to plan and build out. And what happens is we've got superintendents and leaders principals, et cetera, that have a skill in an old model of education that doesn't work in this new model. So they tried pushing, making the new model sound, look, feel like the old model, which it shouldn't. We shouldn't have tried to duplicate an in-class 
in face-to-face environment in a blended or remote environment. So you got you got that fatigue, and that that led to people being disillusioned with perhaps some of the technology, although a remarkable job in in changing a very old organization in a very, very short period of time. So we proved we can change. Uh, We haven't proved that we want to continue uh, with that change. And now you're asking superintendents in high school, or not high school, but leaders at schools and cabinet members to work in this new world that, uh, that obviously is continuing to change and continuing to have a lot of challenges, but they don't necessarily have the skills. They, they, uh, they don't know how to lead organizational change. They don't know how to effectively communicate uh, and lead people through that change. They don't know how to manage these initiatives that are hitting at multiple levels uh, of engagement of people to, in order to get that through because they, that's not what school was for the last 200 years. Um, so you've got a tremendous amount of change and you don't have skills and leadership for them to be able to lead the change. So this reinforces this command and control, I'll just make the decision and move forward. People aren't gonna be heard. And, and now it's time for us to step back because I think there's a phenomenal opportunity for us to do some really, really good work um, in education and, and build off of um, the things that we've had changed and had success with, as well as start to adopt new strategies to, to address teacher shortage, to address the, the number of students that didn't re-enroll because they have other options that they can take advantage of, that, that we can make the system instead of a one size fits all, but one that really looks at the academic needs of our children and the um, the social needs of developing skills that a society is going to need that's going to be more and more digital as we move forward. So Tom, how can we help leaders develop these skills? Is it, I mean, do you have ideas on how we can, empower leaders with these skills to effectively work through these change processes because there's more to come. This isn't over. Yeah. I, I, yeah, it's, this is, this is our new future and, and building resilient models that, that get input from the people that need it and can make decisions at the, at their level, their level, as opposed to having it all go up through the superintendent team and then back down to the schools. And then the, the, the situation has changed. So this help uh, pushing towards strategy sessions with leadership teams, and there has to be a separate meeting from the tactical meeting because the tactical will always overwhelm conversation um, so that we got our C-level folks and, and this moving the solution closer to the people that are experiencing the challenge, right? Th- those people have the best advice. And then how do we put an organizational structure that encourages not a top-down, but this cross-functional uh, uh, leadership and ownership that that I have ownership as a teacher, as a principal, as a director in a department, et cetera, to make the changes, the decisions that I need to make and have those informed because my leadership group is going to have membership of stakeholders to know what that impact's going to be. So it's it's being able to shift from a top-down to a cross-functional uh, approach to leadership that's informed. 
I think we need to establish, uh, go back to our, our core values about what we believe in education and then the mission and vision in each department in school should be what are my core values, my, my community needs from us and make decisions based um, on that. I think we need to then bring that into a roadmap that's based on performance, not activities, um, performance change that we want to see and, and then be able to measure that over time and then break that down into sprints. So we, we got to, what did we do in this first quarter? What worked really well? What goals did we achieve or, or steps did we achieve? Celebrate those wins. So we've, we're making progress, right? We're not waiting for the end of the year. It's just too far away. So we can celebrate those short-term, we, I call sprints, um, and then publish that out to the community. We're, we're in a better place. We, we're, we've made a difference and here's the evidence. And that evidence is based on the stakeholder improvement, not the organization improvement. I'm not going to put an LMS in and provide training for everybody. I want to make sure that students can access, teachers can access this one place that provides all their educational resources. And so what's the value to the stakeholder as opposed to an activity that is unrelated to the value that it should be driving? And if IT doesn't do that, or our departments that are our leadership, we end up putting things in that have a negative impact, a negative impact on our stakeholders. Too many systems coming in, too much change, too many logins to go to, no support in my classroom. You want me to manage face-to-face -face and online at the same time, and there's no content developed. I mean, there, there's ways that we can show progress and improve. And then I think we need to develop the organizational change management skills of leading an organization through change. And there's a framework, there's frameworks around that, that have been successful in other industries, um, which is not a management process. It's a leadership process, leading folks through change that they might not want to do, but it's necessary for, for the health of the organization. So that brings us into this transformational leadership what are the things we're doing well? And let's increase those things as opposed to an accountability leadership. What are the things that you're doing wrong and how do I fix them? Because you're broken, right? So we've got a lot of brokenness because we're doing change. Focus on that asset, that things that people are doing well and contributing and, and then try to encourage more of that behavior, I think is a better way to go when you're going through difficult crisis change than holding people accountable and keep pointing out how they're not perfect. Right. And what would you say are some of the things that we have done well in education through this pandemic? Are there some silver linings there? The, 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 the contact that teachers have with parents has never been higher. They know their parents. They know the kids. They're and to some point, they may be overdone with the calls and communication that goes out. We should leverage that into our systems moving forward. How do we continue with that engagement and uh, communication that are, that are, that are, that's going on? I think the digital resources that we've started, that we've, we've moved a lot of paper processes into digital process, which, which does a reorganization of how you're going to use your staff. It improves the efficiency and effectiveness of those processes. We're collecting a ton of data now because of those systems on students, students and teachers that we can leverage to 
look for value and then look at uh, a deeper dive into what's causing success and how do we how do we continue to grow that out because of the digital contribution? Um, I think the the ability for us to our, our teach I, I substituted in a fourth grade class um, in the spring because teachers were needed to go back, but they weren't fully vaccinated. So it was better for me to be in a classroom than my network person who needed to make sure that network was working. And that experience was just really good. One, it gave me an insight of how these technologies are impacting the kids. But those kids, these, those fourth graders had multi, on their Chromebook, they would have multiple screens that were open. They had the teacher and the, the Zoom session that they were doing or the Google Meet or whatever the, the, the tool you're using, they had their, their digital text or our materials that were open. They had a, 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 a platform that they were um, sharing notes or writing notes or journaling about what they're doing that the teacher had access to. Those kids, if, if something didn't work, they knew how to fix it. Or the kid next to them said, try this. They were, they were great examples of the, the technical uh, kids of schools, uh, technical kids, the technical skills kids have really grew. And it's something my, te- my daughters told me that I used to, 2019, I'd try to try an application and had to figure out how to get all the kids to log on. I'd wasted so much time getting the technology up. Today, all those kids know how to do that. It's all, they got it. The teachers have it. So we can leverage these. Unfortunately, I've talked to a lot of principals that went back in the fall and said, we got to put the computers down and get back to face-to-face. And it really isn't an either or. It's not a binary on-off. It should be a blend of those resources, uh, specifically in the classroom, that would allow the teacher more freedom instead of direct presentation of material to work individually to see how are those kids using those resources. So I think there's lots of things. Once we get out of this pendulum swing of, don't use all the technology that we can come back and say what really worked. And then how do we strategically from an enterprise enterprise wide solution, make that easy for people to use and get the skills they need to uh, grow that. So it sounds like, um, you know, administrators need to take a step back, try to find the opportunity to uh, reflect and as you mentioned, Tom, go back to looking at what their vision and mission is. So now, you know, they're in this, this crazy cycle, but if they can find the time to be mindful and step back and reflect and then go forward based on what they know their values are and then chunk them. I think the sprints are super important. I think chunking what needs to be done, but with the input of stakeholders is really important. Um, And I think it would then help them to better put out those fires because now they know they're on a path to getting back to where they need to be um, and then can manage anything else. But it is about that, you know, using leadership for that that change management in uh, the best possible way and um, having the input from those involved to better and getting the data from that in order to drive those um, important changes forward. Those great points, Jamie, that um, I've seen school districts make a decision on distributing devices that worked really well for high school, but didn't work at all for elementary. We just did one and done for everybody and it it just caused more problems. So 
it's the leadership's job to step back and provide strategy. And in that strategy, I think it's those cross-functional teams that have stakeholder input, so they, their voice is heard, and that allows them to respond much quicker, and they don't have to fix problems that they created. I, the only other thing I would add to that, uh, as you did, as you chunk that out, as you mentioned, um, we need to celebrate the win. We need to go. We need to take a look back at the last nine weeks and say, did we move forward? Yes, we did. Let's make sure everybody knows. The board knows. The community knows. And most importantly, the people that are doing the work, they know that they made a contribution to our ultimate success. And here's evidence of that. So celebrating the wins, I think, is a, another key thing that's, that leadership has to do in order for us to get out of this feeling like we're, we're running ourselves to death. Yeah. And that's all part of being mindful about what they're doing, right? Because this way they can, you know, close that out, celebrate it, and then, you know, move on to the next. But I agree. I think that is so important. And a lot of times is um, not done because you always trying to get through and you, you, gave me a visual as you were talking about this. I almost feel like a lot of this happening is sort of like a tornado. And if the leadership can step back from that and then pull things out to save them and, and touch them up with goals that they are leading through, then they can chunk those out one at a time. Yeah. It's hard. It's very hard. There's a lot going on. It is hard and it's never going to be easy. And so let's accept that. You know, there's some things we have to accept that we're going to have a lot of in the next few years. We need to build plans that accept change is going to be constant, that staff turnover is going to be constant, that uh, this this COVID situation or flu situation or other things um, will be something that we need to plan for in the future. So it isn't a surprise when a leader leaves. It isn't a surprise when we don't have enough staff. It isn't a because our plan recognized that's the hand that I was dealt and I'm going to play it the best I can, as opposed to complain that I didn't get other cards uh, in, in the hand that was dealt. Yeah. It's all part of change management, like you said. So, um, and it's, you know, managing those expectations and being ready for them. Yeah. If we're not going to start that now, when, when do we start it? I mean, is it going to be next summer? Is it going to be, so I, I, it isn't a function of, I'll do it when things calm down because they just aren't. That's that's the new reality that we're in. So accept that. Pull yourself back so you can pull that stuff out of that tornado that's spinning by that you mentioned and move the organization forward because that's my job as a leader. Right. And I think accepting is so important because so many leaders parents, I hear so many people romanticizing. If we could just get back to the way it was, and it was not good, it was not perfect. And so if we can begin to accept where we are and move forward from that, I think that will be the key. Tom, I have a final question for you that we like to ask our guests on this topic, as you've visited with so many people and you have thought about this very deeply, what has become clear? That we're in a relationship business. Um, the technology can, can make things better, but we've got to make sure that, that people, emotional health is, is um, where it needs to be. And I think we have a big role in helping by providing a path forward, a way out. We're not stuck in this. So I would say that 
Um, as we look at solutions for the future um, and success, those technologies should be designed to build relationships, uh, to build or add value to people in the work that they do so they can continue to understand uh, their contribution um, and that we that we leverage those tools in a way that still gives us time to find out what's Jerry doing uh, and and what's happening in her life as opposed to we got to get this meeting done we're going to be on this zoom or whatever uh, call and then we're just bam 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 on all the tactical stuff. We're still people. And I think when you look at the kids or the teachers not knowing what to do or the, the way that uh, the, uh, the aggression that, that it might be happening, how do, we, how do we come back to this society that values community, that values people, that values teachers, and that, that, that values that you can have a different opinion than me and not be bad or evil. Uh, all of that is about relationships. And if you can't build relationships and trust, then you're not going to build a cohort of people that want to move forward and change. We definitely have a lot to do there as a nation. Well, we can certainly start in our own local community. I got a lot of control of that to turn the television off and the social media off and focus on building the relationships with the people you work that that's the first step. You're right. You're right. All right. So there's there are a lot of uh, key components to managing this change, ma- navigating um, this new world that we're in. Um, and eventually, I think, as you said, if uh, leadership can step back and do sprints in the work that needs to be done based on their mission and vision, then um, they will get through it. So I think those are important tips, Tom. This was really fantastic. We appreciate it. Really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, it was great. Terrific. Thank you so much. I'm glad everyone now can hear that conversation we were having at COSIN because I was just enthralled with it. So thank you for being a guest today. Well, I appreciate you reaching out and look forward to uh, hearing you all in the future. Yes, and one last thing, we try to bring the conversation to Clubhouse. If you're able to join, um, then people can interact and ask you questions. So if you're interested, we'll give you more information, but that's Wednesdays at 9 p.m. during the week this releases. So uh, we'll give you the information, Tom, and those of you listening, uh, join us there and uh, follow us to uh, join our room and uh, we'll talk more about uh, this new year that we're in. Thank you for listening. And if you would like to stay linked up, be sure to follow us on Apple and Spotify and subscribe to us on YouTube.